0: Alrighty, thank you. You can remain standing if you like. Take your Bibles, First Thessalonians, chapter number one. First Thessalonians in chapter number one. It is a delight and a privilege to be back, and I'm thankful for West Coast Baptist College. I'm thankful for uh, the time that my wife and I had here as students, uh, being trained, and many of the same instructors here teaching and uh, inspiring and and exemplifying the same things. I'm grateful for that. And then certainly the 10 years that we had here uh, to be a part of the team and uh, what uh, God is continuing to do yet today, but allowing us to be a part of that uh, will always hold a special place uh, in our hearts. And so it's, it's a privilege to be back. We're thankful for Lancaster Baptist Church, thankful for Pastor Chapel, thankful for West Coast Baptist College, and just consistently following the leading of the Lord and going forward uh, in this needy hour and uh, grateful that you're here and a part of that. And I know we're within two weeks of the finish line. And uh, we were spending a little bit of time past chapel yesterday and hearing about the tracks meetings. And I know Dr. Getch and others have had hours and hours and hours of that. And, and uh, then uh, all of the projects and the, the final things coming down to the home stretch. And so your mind is everywhere right now. I get it. But for a few minutes, I want to be an encouragement and a blessing to you if I can. First Thessalonians chapter 1. And let's look together in verse number eight the bible says for from you sounded out the word of the lord not only in macedonia and achaia but also in every place your faith to god were to spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how ye turn to god from idols to serve the living and true god and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would anoint these few moments that we have together in chapel today. And Lord, I know that these students have a lot on their mind, uh, classes and work and bills and projects and uh, finals coming and summer plans and all of that. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us intentionally to set that aside for a moment and to tune into your word. and Lord, you have in your providence put us together in this room for this moment. And I pray that you would speak through the preaching of your word to every heart. I pray the work that you desire to do would be accomplished. And I pray that we would leave here committed to spreading the gospel wherever we go. And we'll praise and thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Many of you have been praying for us as we've made this transition, as Dr. Getch said last summer, and been at Pleasant Valley Baptist Church in Chico, California now for about eight months. It'll be eight months this Friday, and we're thankful for what God is doing, the privilege that we have to be a part of it. We're just trying to stay out of the way and not mess it up. God is at work. That is obvious and evident, and we are so very grateful, and we praise Him for that. Uh, We were able two weeks ago on our Easter Sunday to double our normal Sunday morning attendance We had a lot of efforts uh, going into Easter. In fact, for the first time in our church history, we did two services. And uh, so that was kind of a big deal. And uh, right out of the gate saying, we think God can fill this place twice. And uh, he did the first service. And I got to tell you, Dr. Gutch, about 10 minutes before the second service, I was nervous. And uh, I walked in and I don't know, there might have been 18 people in there or something. And I thought, my goodness, Gabe, you have made a terrible mistake. And I said, Lord, You have got to fill this place up. And I went to Brother Tom Goodman, our head usher, and I said, Brother Goodman, now leave these back doors open back here. Uh, I think a lot of people are just going to be coming in right at time and maybe in a few minutes after. Just leave them open. And we got that service started, and indeed, that's exactly what God did. And they just kept coming and coming and coming, and that auditorium filled greater than it did the first time, and the vast majority of the people in that room at that 11 o'clock service on Easter Sunday were first-time guests that had never been to our church, and they got to hear a clear-cut gospel message, and the Lord did some wonderful things. We had some good follow-up. We saw several uh, families returning last Sunday from Easter Sunday, so we're thankful for that. We had six baptized last Sunday, and the follow-up from Easter, and just some things going forward uh, little by little. So as you think of us in uh, Chico, California there, uh, pray for us. God's at work. We're grateful for that and looking forward to what he has in store for us. Well, I love the book of 1 Thessalonians. In fact, when I took the pastor and asked Pastor Chapel, give me some direction, give me some guidance, uh, and he gave me a lot of things. But one of the things he told me, he said, hey, when when you can, start a verse-by-verse series through the book of 1 Thessalonians. And I did last September and we started verse by verse going through the book of 1 Thessalonians. We entitled this series, The Marks of a Mighty Church. And, and we're still in it. I just preached last Sunday night from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. But we're working through the book of 1 Thessalonians and we're learning so much. And we're so encouraged by it because when you understand how this church came about and the significant impact that it had with the gospel of Jesus Christ in a time that was so pagan and wicked, it just encourages you to know in Because the gospel is still alive. It's still changing lives. It's still building churches. It still works. And we're seeing that in Northern California. And we are so immensely grateful for it. So the Lord sends the Apostle Paul to Thessalonica. You can read about it in Acts chapter 17. And he's there for just three Sabbaths. So he's there for three weeks' time. I wish we had the impact that he had in such a short amount of time. But in three weeks' time, he's in the synagogue, he's preaching, he's teaching the Word of God, people are getting saved, lives are being changed, and a church is started. Well, then persecution runs Paul out of town, and these infant Thessalonian believers begin to grow in their Faith, And as you work through 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, you see that this is indeed a gospel-centered church. That the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ has changed their life radically. And uh, they understand the importance of the gospel. They're following people as they're preaching the gospel. In fact, just prior to our text, we learn in 1 Thessalonians that they themselves have become examples for others to follow. The biblical pattern, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul came and taught them about Jesus Christ. They accepted Jesus Christ. They were growing in grace. And now other people were following them. It was a beautiful New Testament a Baptist church unfolding here in Thessalonica. Then we get to these last three verses of chapter number one. And we see the impact that God allows them to have with the gospel. And this morning, I would like to challenge you and me about being a gospel-proclaiming Christian. A gospel-proclaiming Christian. In two weeks, most everyone in this room will be someplace else. The exciting part of that is what fruit that could mean for these summer months, as this group spreads out all over the United States of America, maybe some internationally, what that could mean as the power of the gospel goes with you wherever it is that God's leading you and God uses you personally in the gospel ministry. And I believe as we see that unfold from these believers here in Thessalonica, it will encourage and inspire you. Notice with me regarding their impact, first of all, this fear of their witness. Go back to verse number eight. The Bible says, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spreading abroad. Now, the word sounded out occurs only here. And it's referring to the sound of a herald's trumpet. The idea was that they were bold in their witness. The difference that they were a part of, the impact that they were making was not because they would only talk about the gospel in small rooms and corners with people that they knew. No, 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 no. These Thessalonian believers got a hold of the gospel and they were willing to go everywhere telling people about Jesus Christ. It didn't matter where it was. It didn't matter who the audience was. They had a message. They were convinced everyone needs to hear this and abroad they went and the gospel indeed was shared. You see they were convinced that what they had discovered in Christ was too good not to be shared. And God brought me here this morning to remind you that we have received the same gospel. That what you and I have received in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is indeed a good thing. Aren't you thankful as the young men up here stood and sang that we could identify with that song. He died for you and for me. He robes us in a robe of righteousness. You and I are gonna stand before God someday and we're not going to be seen as we are but we're going to be seen as the righteousness of the only begotten son of the Lord Jesus Christ that's an incredible thing I hope you and I never get over that the fact that we are going to stand before God when we don't deserve to be there but we have been redeemed we have been bought back through love and the Lord Jesus Christ and then we stand and we are seen as Jesus Christ in righteousness what a blessing that is don't get over the gospel in your life spending time at the foot of the cross, remembering what Jesus has done for you. These believers were in the habit of that. And this was too good to keep to themselves. It was something that they were convinced needed to be shared. And everywhere they went, that's what they did. In fact, the Bible says in Psalms 96.3, declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. We have a family in our church joined in February, and um, leading into Easter Sunday, they're brand new. They're just getting involved, and we had announced uh, to, to a very small group, "Hey, we want to meet Friday night and just do some campus prep for Easter weekend. We just want everything looking first class for the people that the Lord will bring." Well, here came this brand new family in Harry and Susanna Bassio and their children, Hugh and Hillary, and their children are college age, and they came in and they were helping to uh, clean doors and prepare buildings and campus and so forth for the Easter services and then the Saturday before Easter, they came out for soul winning and it was the first time they had ever done that. And they participated with us in going in the community and just inviting people to church. And then they came on Easter Sunday and they attended a service as a family. And then they served together as a family at another service. And then we were having some festivities after the service. And Harry said, Pastor, come here. I want you to meet Naima. And Harry and his wife, Suzanne, are registered nurses at our hospital. And Harry said, I want you to meet Naima. This is my coworker. And I've been telling her about what God's been doing in our life and she came today to learn about that as well. And it's been a blessing to see the Lord use this family. The personal encouragement of that family is this, I went to our deacons in January and I presented to them our budget for 2023 before we would present it to the church. And just a number of factors and what was happening and what was going on, I said to the deacons, I said, I just believe God wants us to take a huge step of faith In 2023, to meet some needs and do some things. And uh, we presented a 30% increase in our general fund budget for 2023. And I said, Now, guys, to be honest with you, I don't know how this is going to happen. But I believe that it has to happen for our church to do what God wants us to do in this year. And we talked it through and we prayed in unanimously. They said, Pastor, let's do it. That was a Wednesday night. On Thursday night, one of the deacons Brother Aaron Adelman was with me, and we went and we made a follow-up visit to this family, Harry and Susanna Basio. We went to their home, and we were invited into their home, and we began to get to know them, and they began to tell us their story, how they grew up in the Philippines, and Baptist missionaries came, and they were reached, and they accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's the church in which they met. They went from the Philippines to Canada, and then COVID hit, and their nursing background, and and uh, profession, Harry got into being a traveling nurse. He went from Canada to Houston, Texas, from Houston, Texas to Indianapolis, Indiana, and then from Indianapolis he went to Chico, California to serve at Inlo Hospital. He did two different stints there as a traveling nurse and his wife Susanna said, you know, Harry, I like this Chico place. I think we should stay. They began to make arrangements to make Chico their permanent home. One Wednesday afternoon, <laughs> one of our teenagers knocked on their door out Teen Solening invited them to Pleasant Valley Baptist Church they went on the website and checked us out and decided to come and they came that Thursday night we went and we followed up on them and we heard that beautiful story and we heard their heart to want to be a part of a church and, and uh, their desire to be a part of a place where God would be at work. And it was a beautiful visit and I was so encouraged and we, we had a, a sweet time with them and we had prayer and we're getting ready to leave and we stood to leave and they said, now, pastor, can you stay for dinner? And I did, we had already been there an hour. I did not know that they had prepared dinner, but they had. And they thought we were coming over for dinner. So after spending an hour uh, with them talking about the church and being involved and being at it and so forth, they said, could you stay for dinner? Well, of course, my soul partner he loved that. You know? I'm going to go with pastor every Thursday night. You know? This is great, dinner to boot. You know? So we go over to their table and we sit down and we have a meal and fellowship. He said, I'm asking you, what are you talking about with all of that? One God adds to his church, such as it needs. But two, when the gospel is real in someone, they cannot help but tell other people. And this new family is telling everyone wherever they go and they're bringing people because of the power of the gospel. We see in verse number eight, for we sounded out the word of the Lord. That expression occurs over 200 times in the Old Testament and this truth had been exclusively preserved for the Hebrew people. For 2000 years, God, if he had anything to say, he said it in Hebrew. He spoke to a Jew for centuries. The Jews had been the recipients and the custodians and the sole proprietors of the word of God. If a Gentile wanted to know it, they had to go and ask a Jew. And all of that changed at the day of Pentecost. And I don't know about you, I'm thankful for that. The Bible says in Acts two, when the day of Pentecost was fully come and they all with one accord in one place, and then they gladly received his word were baptized in the same day, there were adding about 3,000 souls. And after Pentecost, if God had anything to say, he said it in Greek. It was a Gentile language most people knew and could understand And the New Testament as we know was written in Greek. God was speaking a language to the entire world. Now the Jews did not like that. They did not want this salvation gospel message. They didn't want the Gentiles to have it. They resented what the Holy Spirit of God indeed was doing bypassing the rabbinical schools, the synagogue, the traditional Judaism, the entrenched Jewish traditions. They hated Paul and christ and christianity they hated the fact that these gentiles now were preaching the word of the lord they wondered how could these gentiles know the word of the lord They had not spent years in study in the schools of the rabbis. They had not learned to read Hebrew. They had not been brought up in the synagogue. These uh, Gentiles, what did they know anyway? They just had a few weeks with a renegade rabbi. They just had a few proof text. They just had this absurd story about a crucified Christ that then was risen again and now they themselves had become Bible preachers and teachers and if that wasn't bad enough thousands of people were listening and flocking to them and it enraged them. You want to know why that worked? Because it was The gospel. And the more they persecuted it, the more it spread. And the more they tried to stamp it out, the more it went every place. Because it was indeed the gospel. In fact, when Paul, excuse me, when Timothy brought this update to Paul and Paul was penning this letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, Paul was hearing about it from other people. Other people in Corinth were asking Paul, Hey, we heard about this gospel from these people in Thessalonica. Tell us more and all of Macedonia and all of Achaia, it was on fire. The gospel indeed was spreading, why? Because it was real with them. May you and I have a gospel that is real with us that we get to be a part where it is spreading all over and making a difference abroad. We see the sphere of their witness. But notice the scope. Continue with me in verse number eight. The Bible says here, so that we need not to speak anything, for they themselves show us of what manner of entering in we had unto you. Paul Paul is writing back to these believers in Thessalonica and is saying, hey, you've done such a great job and your life is changing and you're telling everybody about the gospel. We don't have anything to do. There's no one else to tell. Everybody in this region has heard. You received Christ. Christ changed your life. And Paul was saying, everyone we talked to, they know. Hey, I got to tell you about this man. Hey, we already heard about him. Yeah, we were in Thessalonica, we heard about him. Hey, let me tell you, no, we already heard about him. Yeah, that person in Thessalonica, they told us all about that. Paul said, we can't speak anything you've already told them. People coming all the way to Corinth to see Paul with questions about the gospel because of the impact of these Thessalonian believers. Can I ask you a question this afternoon? Who knows Jesus because of you? I'm grateful for every student at West Coast Baptist College. We need you and we need more like you. But there's a world out there that needs Jesus. And there's gotta be something in every single one of us that recognizes we can do something about that. We can tell people about Jesus Christ. We we can be a part of a life being changed. We may not understand it all, we may not know it all, we're all still growing, but we can do something got a brand new family in our church, Sean and Heather Lepe, and they're growing. They joined in February as well, and they're just growing leaps and bounds. And uh, about uh, five weeks ago, Heather started texting my wife, Susanna, and she said, two Mormon missionaries are here and we don't know what to say. <laughs> and I think they let them in their house. That was probably not a wise idea. But anyway, I can just in picture in my mind, these two Mormon missionaries and Sean and Heather sitting in this living room and Heather's on her phone, just rapidly texting these questions. Give us answers. Finally, they looked at the Mormon missionaries, and they said, listen, we don't understand all this. We don't know your answers, but our pastor does. You need to come to our church. That's what they told them. You know what happened on Sunday? They came. Two Mormon missionaries come to Pleasant Valley Baptist Church, and their garb got the little badge on and everything, you know, and here they came. And you should have just seen Sean and Heather. They were so excited. Pastor, here's what you're telling me you about. Now, you've got to talk to them. you, You've got to answer all these questions. Here they are. And uh, these two Mormon missionaries came. It made a few in our church nervous. It was great. And... Uh, they were there, their badges, you know, listening to the service. This was about a month ago. And uh, we got to talk to them a little bit afterwards. You know what God did? Two weeks ago on Easter Sunday, those two same Mormon missionaries came back. Completely on their own to hear more about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I found out after the service that one of the young men who goes to college in our area had brought all of his roommates... And two of his roommates were Mormon, but they didn't think Mormons could go to Baptist churches. So they just wore regular casual clothes. But then when they came as Luke's friend and they saw across the auditorium two Mormon missionaries in their suits and their badges, they were like, we could have come that way too. I mean, we got got a whole thing going on at Pleasant Valley right now. We got our Mormon section, you know. (laughs) Hey, as far as I'm concerned, anyone can come because when they come they're going to hear the death burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and that is the power of the gospel and I love the fact that when someone's life is truly changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ they can't help but tell people they can't help but put a desire in the heart of somebody for the Jesus that they see in that person's life there's something real and authentic about that that you cannot hide and student I'm just telling you this morning what we need all over America and the world is you with the gospel real in your heart and you sharing it wherever you go that's what these believers in Thessalonica were doing but notice the significance of this continue with me in verse number nine and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God now think of this who were these people in Thessalonica Paul comes to this city he goes to the synagogue as his practice was and he opens and he preaches he teaches but the people that are listening, the people that are learning, the people whose lives are being changed, the Bible tells you and I that they are changing from idol worship to Jesus Christ worship. These were pagan people. These were idolaters. You, you study the culture of this city at this time and it was sensual, it was wicked, it was violent, it was pagan, kind of like the day you and I serve in today in California. That's exactly what it was. Our city made Fox News last week. A mom of an 11-year-old girl who the school counselor told her that she should transition from a girl to a boy that the school counselor could arrange the counseling and the medical procedure. That all of it could be done without the mother's knowledge or consent. And then ended the session by telling the girl, don't tell your mom. Now that's the world we live in. That's the culture we minister in. That's the hour that God has placed you and I in. My whole life I've heard. Isn't it a great time to be a Christian? And I don't know that I always understood that. But I do believe today it is a great time to be a Christian. And I want to tell you why. Because if we don't start acting like Christians, it's over. It is unbelievable the wicked onslaught that is happening in America and in California and how it is rapidly progressing. And I'm telling you, we have not been told to sit by and to be idle. We have been told, occupy till I come. Put your hand in the plow and never look back and go forward. And I'm telling you this morning that the gospel is still available and it still has the power to change lives. These were people that worshiped idols. These were people that were involved in incredible, sensual, worldly worship. These were people that took infant children and sacrificed them to gods. Hey, the wickedness that you and I see in our day-to-day, it's not new. It is the outcome of a people that shake their fist at God and say, we don't want you. It has happened before, and it is happening now. So what do we do with that? We share the gospel. That's what we do. We share the gospel. We tell people about Jesus. Because i got to tell you something. In most cities, there's a lot of people out there looking for truth. They're just looking for someone bold enough to declare it. They're just looking for someone that is willing to say, yes... We believe that Jesus is God, that he left heaven's glory. He was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life. Then he died on the cross and he shed his blood and 3 days and 3 nights later he rose again from the dead. And he did that because he loves you and he loves me and he paid our sin penalty and extends to you and I the gift of salvation. And if you accept Jesus Christ as your savior and if his spirit will dwell your body, he will change your life. And I'm telling you this morning, it works. And people need it. And it can incredibly, radically change a culture. The Bible says of these Thessalonian residents, they turned to God from idols. Watch this, latter part of verse 9, to serve the living and true God. The word serve there means to serve as a bond slave. You know what happened to these people? They went from living a life that was completely godless to living a life that was completely God-filled. That's what happened. I'm not talking about in a city where there's a Baptist church in every corner. I'm talking about Thessalonica where they were involved in pagan worship and idolatry, and it was wicked. And in that city, the gospel was preached. And in that city, people got saved. And in that city, lives change. And you want to know what happened to the people in that city? They went from a life that was Godless to a life that was God-filled. They went from idolatry to serving God with their whole life. You know what God can use with the people in this room to go from city to city in the United States of America and introduce people to the Lord Jesus Christ and to watch your life change and give their life to Jesus Christ? Young people. This is not only possible today, it is absolutely imperative that that's what we do. I graduated from West Coast Baptist College in 2002. I guarantee you, most of the graduates to walk across this stage on Monday night, May the 1st, have more talent than I do. It's not about talent. Thank God for the giftedness that God has given every person. But I'm telling you what every one of us in this room need. We need a heartfelt conviction that the greatest thing we can do is tell people about Jesus Christ. That is the greatest thing we can do. And I believe that God wants to use you to do that in ways that will blow your mind. And it works. And it worked here. Look at verse 10 and we'll close. The Bible says, And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus which delivered us from the wrath to come. I see here the saving in their witness. Paul, this was the central truth of this letter Uh, The death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. A saving truth indeed. And as you study the book of 1 Thessalonians, this is Paul's heart. But he reveals in this verse 3 motivational truths. What is it, Pastor Gabe, that drew these believers to do all the things you're talking about? Can we notice them quickly? Because I think they should motivate you and I as well. First of all, he points to the rapture and to wait for his son from heaven. One of the themes of the Apostle Paul's teaching and preaching was the second coming of Jesus Christ. You're hard-pressed to study a letter he wrote on the inspiration of the Spirit where he doesn't talk about it. With Paul, it was real. With Paul, he lived this way. Jesus is coming again. It could be today.